0: What an NBA NBA, really? What an NFL weekend. What a great weekend, Alto. We got Bruce Pearl to talk some hoops, Jack Brewer to talk some NFL. But man, oh man, you think Tyler Bass is welcome in Buffalo right now. Do you think Tyler Bass, the kicker, is welcome anywhere in the Northeast right now? And I don't think Brock Purdy's very good. We're going to talk about this. The love for Brock Purdy. Yes, he played well down the stretch. Yes, he got it done when you need to get it done. I just don't think the guy's very good. And you know my love for Lamar, don't you? Of course you know my love for Lamar. Well, it's growing and growing and growing. Don't at me, it's growing and it's starting right now. We should call this a taste. That's what we should call it. Monday morning, here's just a taste of how the real world should go. I'm going to get into every NFL thing in about three or four minutes here, but this should just be called a taste. If the world were run by adult male with penises, if the world were run by logical men and women, If the world didn't care about feelings and if the world didn't care about some little reporter writing some little article in some little space, whether it's a blog or the New York Times or wherever, this is how people would react. Dana White goes off when a sports reporter tried to get him, get him to criticize his fighter Strickland. Let's listen from Dana White. This is a taste of what the world would be like.
1: You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about you know what they can say when they are up there with the UFC microphone, and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia. Like,
2: is there? I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you a leash. I'm like free speech. Control what people say. Going to tell people what to believe. Going to tell people. I don't (laughs) tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes. On any of them. What is your question?
1: I was asking that question. I'll move on, though.
2: Yeah, Uh, probably a good idea. That's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. That's just a taste of how the
0: United States of America used to be run. You know, it used to be where Bill Clinton actually, as a Democrat, and Ronald Reagan actually, as a Republican, both said, hey, close these damn borders, it's dangerous. Dana White was trying, they were trying to put Dana White in a little trap here where they get him to criticize his fighter, Sean Strickland, because of, quote, homophobia and transphobia, and they want to hold the guy that is in charge, they want to hold his feet to the fire. Good for you. Great for you. Look, we get it. It's the world that we live in, but Dana White is not having it. And Dana White's actually, his response is 1,000% uncombackable. I used to say this all the time. I'm going to say something to you that you can't come back from. And I would say it and like, yeah, you're right. How do you come back on the free speech? I guess you could say, hey, look, Dana, we here in the real world don't like what he said. Okay. We here in the real world should say, hey, look, boycott the UFC. Okay. But this is what happens when you are the size of Dana. This is what happens when you are run by adult men with penis. You get logic. You get common sense. Sometimes you get over the top. Sometimes you get way over the top. But you know what? The only people that are perfect is that little reporter, that little woke-ass reporter. Could you imagine? I just want you to close your eyes and hearken with me, will you please? Hearken. Do me a favor, and we're going to hearken. Hearken back to a day where somebody said something that Adam Silver didn't like. Didn't like. And let me explain something to you. Adam Silver is the commissioner of the NBA. And like Dana White, although Dana White's the owner, like Dana White, reporters will go to the guy that owns and say, look, the man on the microphone is representing you. In this case, Strickland representing Dana White. In an NBA player's case, an NBA player representing the NBA. You. Mr. Silver are responsible for what goes on. What are you going to do about it? Could you imagine any type scenario where Adam Silver says, you know what, it's free speech. It's just free speech. Somebody wants to say something, free speech. You got a problem with him, take it up with him. Well, what are you going to do? I'm not doing nothing about it. It's free speech. Could you imagine if that happened today somewhere in the NBA, Tomorrow somewhere in the NFL, the next day somewhere in soccer, somewhere in media, somewhere in Hollywood, and it just got, it would be squashed so fast, this guttural nonsense that we have about every little word that you said 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 100 years ago, whatever, is going to get everybody fired, everybody up in arms, and you're hating on everybody. Do some people hate groups? Yes. Do some groups hate people? Yes. We got 350 million people here. But that, can we play that again? And then I'm going to move on to the NFL. I promise you I'm getting into the NFL because I'm so fired up about the NFL. But I'm also fired up about somebody that's just going to sit there, look these weasley-ass, whiny-ass, little woke reporters right in the eye and tell them this. Go, Dana.
1: Like, you obviously give a long leash to your fighters about you know what they can say when they are up there with the UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of, Homophobia, transphobia, like
2: is there. I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you. A leash? I'm st- like. Free speech. I control when... what people say? I'm gonna tell people what to believe? I'm gonna tell people. I don't tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes on any of them. What is your question? I was asking that question. I'll move on, though. Yeah, Uh, probably a good idea. That's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. Yeah,
0: how do you argue that? How do you argue that? No, you can't. No, they shouldn't. No, they wouldn't. No, they won't. No. God, do we need more people? God, like, let me just equate it to myself. It is so refreshing to work here. It is so refreshing to work here because we're never going to tell you lies. We're never going to make up stories. We're not going to have a burning building behind me, and I go, "Hey, look, it's a mostly peaceful protest. We're never going to do that, but we're going to tell you what we think without regard with, without not consequence well have some type of consequence. Sometimes the consequence is you get more viewers, sometimes the consequence you get less viewers. But Clay and Gary and Aaron, they hire people that want to do some thinking. They hire people that want to say, okay, this is what I think. And then they let you think. Then they let you do some thinking. And then they let you do some expressing. How many companies can say that? There are not very many. All right. The NFL. The NFL was glorious this weekend. I always use this. Colin Cowherd said this before, and he's so right about the NCAA tournament. In the first round, we want to see Mercer beat Duke. But in the second round, we want to see Duke play Michigan State. You understand what I'm saying? NFL yesterday, I feel like, and you can tell me I'm wrong, was the easiest betting day of the year. And I'm going to tell you why, and it's based on that analogy that I just used that Cowherd has used. Water finds its level is a saying that I made famous in the world of college basketball. To this day, I got people texting me or tweeting me. Coaches telling me, hey, Dan, water found its level, man. Water finding its level means, yes, Mercer beat Duke, but Mercer doesn't have it two weeks in a row against the best teams in the country. And I like Mercer. The coach of Mercer is a friend of mine. I digress. But anyway, so who are the better teams yesterday? Bills and Kansas City? Yeah, I don't know. But we all kind of thought, did we not? We all kind of felt like the 49ers were maybe the best team in the NFC, and I don't buy that for a second now. I, I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, the Ravens were considered far better, 9.5 point spread against, it's a great story, but it went down in flames, the Texans, and of course the Lions were seen as a better team, 6.5 points spread most places, under 7, the Lions against the Buccaneers. And I thought to myself, I used to be, I'm betting on, the Lions. I'm betting on the Ravens. I'm betting on the pack, Excuse me, the 49ers, and I'm betting. Now, this is the one that was sexy because I'm not sure. I bet on Kansas City. I had an unbelievable day, but the reason I did was because Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Kansas City Chiefs getting points in football. You never go against them. Never. You take them. If they lose, they lose. I think Saban maybe lost this year. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is this. The better teams Won this weekend. Now, what does better mean? I don't know. I didn't think Brock Purdy was any good. I didn't think Brock Purdy was any good at all. His ball's got a hump on it. I was thinking Craig Krenzel. Remember that name from Ohio State 100 years ago? I think he's a doctor now. But the 49ers are going to face the Lions in the AFC Championship game. Purdy's numbers are great. I mean, I looked this up. He's 23 of 39, 252 yards, a touchdown, no pick. But he missed receivers bad, and I've become savvy enough in NFL watching to understand the difference between an NFL quarterback and an SEC or a Big Big 8 or Big 12 or Big whatever it is quarterback. you got to put the ball in a thimble in the NFL. You can put it out here in college. Guys are wide open. And Brock Purdy was awful. Brock Purdy's misses were bad. But I will say this. Brock Purdy took his team down the field and got a touchdown, and frankly – that's what matters. Jordan Love couldn't do it. Baker Mayfield couldn't do it. Josh Allen couldn't do it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Although Josh Allen got him to basically where you needed, it, 44-yard field goal. Tyler Bass missed it. But I did not like what I saw out of Brock Purdy at all. It's a really good football team. Probably the best football team in the NFC but I got to tell you, I didn't like nothing about him. I thought he threw scared. I thought he looked weak. I thought his ball floated. I didn't think he had an arm. I know we're supposed to love him, blah, 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 blah. Now let me ask you a question. Yesterday I put out, staying in the NFC, yesterday I put out a video that said, look, my beloved Indiana Hoosiers stink. And not only do they stink, but they don't appeal to the fan base. Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions, they haven't been great until this year. And y'all say they're great right now getting to the NFC Championship game. But listen to me for a second. The Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell resonate with that city. Like that city would have been jacked. I mean, crazy jacked, crazy excited, love Detroit, blah, 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 if Dan Campbell were not the coach and somebody else were the coach and they were in this position for the first time since I was a child, literal child. Actually, first time since 91, I think. I don't even care first time since. But you got to understand something. There are certain teams that vibe with certain places. The Chicago Bears, 1985, vibed with Chicago like no other team I've ever seen. They were so good, so interesting, so connected to the city that, honest to God, honest to God, there were restaurants damn near open with every single player that was of any kind of exposure, meaning McMahon had a place. Fensick had a place. Didka had a place. Walter Payton had a couple places. Are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? That's what was going on in Chicago because the toughness of the Bears and the toughness of Didka, and the matter-of-factness of Didka, it showed through the entire city. It, the entire city. The entire city loved what was going on there, and it's all because of Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell and his football team, Dan Campbell and his press conferences, Dan Campbell and the way he describes things, I'm going to bite your kneecaps off, we're going to knock you in the face, you're going to knock us back, we're going to smile, and then we're going to have at it, that was his first press conference, that's what I'm talking about for Detroit. Now, that may not play in Sausalito, that may not play in Boca, but it sure plays in a town like Detroit. He had haters, he had doubters, he had race baiters like Jemele Hill come after him. He had race baiters like Jamal Hill who, on a day-to-day basis, don't have the courage or the sack to live Dr. Martin Luther King's dream, which is? We judge people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. The guy on the right, Dan Campbell, was judged by his whiteness, by supposed Detroiter Jamel Hill. Now, she'll figure out a way to make it about herself, but the proper thing to do is like, look, hey, I apologize. That was really dumb. I didn't understand uh, hiring football, and I certainly didn't understand Dan Campbell. But he's had doubters. He's had haters. He's had racists like he'll come at him. And all he's done is continue to coach, and all their team has done is continued to ingrain itself in the fiber of that community. That's why I give them more than a puncher's chance as we go through the week talking about the NFC Championship game. I give them more than a puncher's chance. You know, Campbell and Gerard Mayo is going to be an interesting deal. Campbell came right in and was every man, Black, white, didn't matter. Mayo came in, and he was a philosopher. He was a philosopher. He he sees color. He sees racism wherever it is. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see if it's a winner versus loser way, because right now, that guy, Dan Campbell's is a winner. Right now, Gerard Mayo's is a tonker. Now, people seem to love Gerard Mayo. Uh, maybe he got a bad rap in the press conference. Maybe he got too excited. I don't know, and I don't care. But I know this. I did not root for the... Bill Belichick led Patriots until they became a dynasty, and I like dynasties, until Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. went there, then I really rooted for him. But I'm not rooting for him now. But I am rooting for Dan Campbell, and I'm sure that's somehow, some way racist. I got a question. And this goes back to the Chiefs and the, <laughs> and the Bills. Why are y'all so worked up? Aaron Spielberg and others. Why y'all so worked up about Taylor Swift? You know, the genius behind this show, our friend Gary Schreiber, he said, we were talking before the show, he said, look, this has to be love. Taylor Swift is in Buffalo. That's a woman that could be anywhere in the world, he said, Gary said. He's right. He's 100% right. That woman could be in St. Bart's tanning her ass. Watching it in St. Bart's a good spot. Went there on my first honeymoon. Anyway, she could be tanning her ass. She should be going topless on one of the beautiful beaches. She could be in Bora Bora or any of these places. But where is she? She's chugging beers with Jason Kelsey, who, by the way, was a star last night. I love the fact. Love it. Love the fact. That we've got Taylor Swift involved in the NFL because it makes my daughter like the NFL. It makes my daughter text me in the middle of the Chiefs game last night. Hey, Dad, you watching? From my, I, I don't even know who you are, woman. <laughs> but long story short, stop with the hey, look at her. Good for her. More money than God, biggest star in the world. Could be anywhere, but where is she? Buffalo. And by the way, as our executive producer extraordinaire Aaron adroitly pointed out, she has no scheduled shows in Buffalo. There's not a chance she could sell a ticket in Buffalo. If she went to Buffalo, there would have to be Kevlar. She'd have to have the Pope Mobile draped over her. Are you kidding me? They would kill her in Buffalo. But that's all right. We ain't mad about it. Man. How about John Harbaugh? John Harbaugh went straight religious. Yeah, he did. And by the way, that guy played pretty well right there, Kelsey. He played really, really, really well. But John Harbaugh's Ravens team looks like the best team, my opinion. Everybody's got their opinion. I'm sure if I'm a Chiefs fan, I say the Chiefs look the best. You get my point. But he went straight religious, boys. Let's hear from John Harbaugh.
3: Here. I just want to start off with this. Um, this. is something that was sent to me before the game, and it just is meaningful to me, so I'm going to share it with you uh, because I think it's uh... – uh, the right thing to do, and it's a, it's a verse. Um, Greatness, power, glory, victory, and honor belong to you because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. The kingdom belongs to you, Lord. You are the head and the ruler over everything. So there's an amazing spirit on this team, and I uh, just want to kind of give honor and glory where it's due. Uh, with that...
0: Um oh, that's pretty good. Will NBC cut that out? Will the NFL get cranky? Will the NFL get crabby? Will the NFL say too much God? Somebody sent this. I think it was ML football, which is a great site on Twitter. Somebody sent me a picture of Mahomes taking a knee before the game, having a prayer. Oh my God. I hope everybody, we should start every show with a prayer. We should start every show with a prayer to say, look, we're going to fight back against the NBCs of the world that take out when C.J. Stroud praises God. We're going to fight back. It's time we fought back. It's time we fought back against the anti-family rhetoric, the anti-Christian rhetoric going on in this country. It's damn right it's time we fight back. If you don't like it, I get it. Look, probably shouldn't be talking about it on a show. It makes people all upset, but good for Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. Now tell your brother to quit cheating. Tell your brother honor God by cheating, not cheating. How about that? Uh, Money's important. You got to keep your job. I get all of it, and you did that. Now, quit cheating. Seriously. Just, just, you know, just quit cheating. Um, A word about Baker Mayfield, please. Baker Mayfield threw for 350. A lot of people are saying what people say. Baker Mayfield showed why he's a backup. Really, did he? Did he really? I mean, I understand he threw a pick late. I understand Love threw a pick late. I understand both of those guys are catching the same kind of thing, right? Eh. Really? I thought Baker Mayfield showed himself to be an NFL quarterback. I thought Baker Mayfield, who is in line, they say, for 40 or $45, $50 million extension. I saw this the other day, yesterday. I think he's worth that. Get off Baker Mayfield, Jordan Love's ass. Every guy that's ever been in this position more than once has done what both of those kids did. I'm a huge Jordan Love fan. Now, he's not going to reach the level Lamar Jackson does it for me. He's not going to reach that level. But I got to tell you, I'm a huge, huge Jordan Love fan, and I've become a Baker Mayfield fan. But let's go to the man, the Gazda. Lamar Jackson threw this little ditty at him, and people were like, well, he wasn't great, really? I don't know. He was 16 of 22 for 152. Okay. Also ran for 100 yards. I mean, that's backyard football, my peoples. That's backyard football. All he did was kick everybody right in the ass. He kicked him right in the ass. He was like the big kid. He was like the Donnie Ross of football, Lee's brother, He was the biggest kid in the neighborhood, running over everybody, kicking booty, kicking Dupayage, and he did it in an NFL game. Don't at me. Don't at me. Don't at me. All right, did you remember the other day Texas coach got mad? Was his horns down or whatever, and everybody gets all emotional, and Rodney Terry. Well, his team, he got all set. He got all sad because Central Florida and Johnny Dawkins, they they, they got to be classier because apparently Rodney Terry, a nondescript coach who fell into millions, is going to get himself all in a bunch, panties-wise. I'm sure he goes boxers or tidy whities I don't know. But they're going to get in a bunch, they're going to get right in his crack because a team had the audacity to go thumbs down. Well, Rodney Terry, after his team won on a buzzer beater to beat Baylor, and everybody went completely nuts, absolutely insane. Rodney Terry had this to say: "You know, I had no
3: intentions of trying to uh, show up anyone or or uh, offend anyone in terms of you know what occurred and you know at the end of that game. Johnny Dawkins is a good friend of mine. He's a really good coach. He has a good program. They're having a good year, uh, and." Uh, um, you know, I you know personally, if I offended him or his program or anyone for that matter, that was not my intentions. You know, um, I'm a God fearing man. I, I lean heavily on my faith, and uh, there are no obstacles in front of me that I can't ever overcome because God never leaves me, no matter in good times, bad times, He's always with me. And so, you know, I I think again, you control what you can control. If again, if I offended some of our, our fans as well and, and not handling myself the right way in terms of, you know, going about it the right way, then, you know, I apologize to our fan base as well and everything. And I uh, uh, understand what it means to be the head coach at the University of Texas and what our brand stands for. And and, uh, and I respect every opponent that we play uh, and, and, you know, have the utmost respect for them and, and, and their coaches. So, uh, again... You know, I'm happy about the outcome of what, what transpired today. We played a really good team that's well coached, that we have a lot of respect for, and uh, um, we're going to enjoy this evening.
0: Now, yeah, there you go. We always got to be God fearing, man. See, there are three things, all right, that you got to understand. I'm a man, I'm a man is always in there, it's in the past and God will guide me. Those are the three things that our leadership in this world has been taught to say. I'm a man. I can handle it. I'm a man. Oh man, it's in the past. It's in the past. And then there's got to be some religious element to it about God guiding me or something. So good for Rodney Terry. He's a nice guy. Everybody that's ever known Rodney Terry will tell you he's a really nice guy. But him going off on another program because of something as silly as horns down made him and his program look ridiculous. Now, they win. The crowd goes crazy. People should go crazy. There should be horns down. There should be rushing to court. We'll get into that in a little bit. There should be all of this. Who cares? I mean, we'll be all right. We'll, 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 we'll hang in there. You know, everybody will be fine. Just let people have some fun around here. I didn't like horns down. I apologize. I'm a God-fearing man. God goes wherever I go. Okay, all right. It's a freaking basketball game where kids got excited. I mean, you're giving me a headache. Hey, fat women on the cover of Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition will, well, it'll get you canceled. Not canceled in the way you're thinking, where people are mad and we're going to cancel you. It'll make your product go, you can't screw up the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated. You can't. This goes back to when I was a kid. This goes back to the early 70s. I don't know when Sports Illustrated started, but I started with it in the early 70s. This goes back to every little kid. I am a weirdo. I did not like when the swimsuit edition came out. I'll tell you why. Because it was two weeks worth, which meant I had to miss a week of Sports Illustrated, and there were less articles. Yes, I read for the articles, even as a little kid. I know some of you guys got the Vaseline, a bottle of Jergens, a nice night, a nice night light, and had at it. Not me, people. Not me. Seriously, I was always pissed. It was two weeks. Two weeks. I had to go without Sports Illustrated. It was a dual issue. Who likes that. But anyway, so a lot of people are putting pictures of the transgender folk that screwed up Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, the big fatties that they put on there where you're trying to tell us that heart disease is good. But, 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 but the licensing group behind Sports Illustrated says that they will continue to serve the public despite the fact that they laid everybody off. Here it is, the arena group. Their statement on Sports Illustrated. Yesterday, the arena group's license to serve as the publisher of Sports Illustrated was terminated as a result of the company's failure to pay its quarterly license fee despite being given a notice of breach and an opportunity to cure the breach. Authentic is here to ensure that the the brand of Psy, which includes its editorial arm, continues to thrive as it has for the past nearly 70 years. We are... Confident that going forward, the brand will continue to evolve and grow in a way that serves sports, news readers, sports fans and consumers. We are committed to ensuring that the traditional ad-sponsored sports Illustrated media pillar has best-in-class stewardship to preserve the complete legacy of the brand uh, the complete integrity of the brand's legacy. That's a lot of words for saying you're still going to get your damn swimsuit edition. It's a lot of words. But it appears that Sports Illustrated is going to continue to have a online, maybe an offline, I don't know, magazine. But you keep running fatties out there on a swimsuit edition, I don't know what to tell you. Look, it ain't that hard. Men are simple. My, My wife, Lee, introduced me to this years ago. Men are simple. Like, no, we're not. We're not simple. We're deep thinkers. We're philosophers. No, we're not. We're morons. Show you, And we'll just drop everything and go, gimme, 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 gimme. Oh, shiny over there. Gimme, 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 gimme. That's who men are. Are you crazy? It ain't that hard. So it's impossible to screw up the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Here's what you do. Ever since the Silicon Valley moved into the upper body of women, there has been no shortage of folks to fill out a bikini. None. Zero. Zip. So you go to some beach, you find the hottest one, go to St. Bart's, you find the hottest women you can, get your star photographers, get the lighting and put out a magazine. That's it. Instead we got to do what? What we going to have Greta Thornburg on there? Instead what do we got to do? Get some advocate even the women athletes. Nah. Go to Bora Bora. Go find the next Christy Brinkley for crying out loud. And then the other part that Sports Illustrated has a problem with, they won't pay anybody. Well, they they're in trouble now because they missed a payment, but they don't want to pay anybody. So they have children as writers. There's nothing interesting. And away you go. But I think I don't hey, even my look. My wife will tell you the same thing that I'm saying, which is don't at me about this crap. This is simple. Men are simple. Not, men are simple. You simply do this. Show hot women. Great writing, fantastic illustrated pictures, and away we go. You know, there's a movie called Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and there's a guy in it who sells tickets. He sells, Damone is his name, he sells tickets. He's a scammer. He's a a wheeler, he's a dealer, he's a scammer. You know what I mean? And he wakes up one day, he's got the football player wanting to beat his ass, the brother of some girl he had sex with, I don't know. And he goes, I woke up in a great mood. I don't know what the hell happened. That, to me, is the Ron DeSantis campaign. Ron DeSantis has suspended his campaign. What that means is Ron DeSantis has ended his campaign unless somebody like Trump gets indicted, can't get out and goes to jail. Or if something else happens within the party, he can jump back in it. DeSantis started out in such a good mood, I don't know what the hell happened. So DeSantis, who came in second place in Iowa and is generally regarded as the best governor in these United States, not only suspended his campaign, but he endorsed the enemy, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump said, listen to this, this is the level that we're dealing with here with Donald Trump. I have officially retired the Ron D. Sanctimonious nickname. Uh, All right, yay, Ron. That's the level. That's our modern Abraham Lincoln.
4: Are you kidding me? All right, let's hear from Ron DeSantis. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. While well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. The days of putting Americans last, of kowtowing to large corporations, of caving to woke ideology are over. See, I think he's going to be
0: president at some point. I don't know. I mean, you know, you catch a lot of hell. But here's the problem. And I understand that I am just one. My brother, we had to go to a speech when my brother was in Boy Scouts. I am just one. It was the dullest night of my life. Long story short, I understand I'm just one person here. But am I the only one that says, wait a second, Donald Trump could be in jail. Like, he could be, I don't know, I see 91 charges. All one's got to do is stick a felony. I mean, I don't know. You guys tell me, you know, I know Franny Willis is a pig and, and an awful human being and, you know, all that stuff. But... Doesn't change the fact that Trump's still got 91 charges facing. I'm sitting there going, if I had 91 charges, I would sit there in my room every morning with the shakes going, oh man, I don't want to go to jail. This thing's for exit only. I don't need none of this. I don't want none of this. I can't have none of this. So am I wrong about that? It, 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 would you be nervous? But I do think DeSantis... I do. I think he's going to be president of the United States someday. I think he speaks plainly enough. I don't know what happened all of a sudden. Apparently the Republicans wanted him out. I don't know why anybody would pay attention to Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is now saying that she got teased because she wasn't white. She wasn't brown. I mean, stop it. Stop it. I got teased because I looked like this, too handsome. It's the way it is. All right, back to the NFL real quick. The NFL yesterday delivered. The NFL, over the weekend, 1,000% delivered. Were they the greatest games? No, but I'll tell you this, they came down to the end. So as we unpack it, that's what big saying in TV. As we unpack this, what have we learned? I'll tell you one thing I've learned. That running back for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Jones, that's a bad mother. Ah, That's a bad mother. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. He's like the Udonis Haslam of the Heat, only he can still really, really, really play. I mean, really play. I mean, make no mistake, that is a tough dude. That's the first take I took out of this. I knew who Aaron Jones was. I liked Aaron Jones. I didn't really pay that much attention to Aaron Jones. Man, I will now. That's a bad dude. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this. Same game, bad dude. Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey has an ability to do things others don't, and that includes Aaron Jones. Like most running backs now have no wiggle. They've got a little burst. Pacheco's got a lot of burst. But I got to tell you when (laughs) – this goes back to the 70s and 80s. When Christian McCaffrey broke through the line and went for a 32-yard touchdown run, I was stunned because how many times have we seen that same run end up with a guy on his back, two yards, that's it. McCaffrey's one of the few players that when he gets the, run, gets the football, I sit up and go, all right, here we go. Here we go. Let's do this. What's going on? There aren't many. He's one. And I got to tell you something else. I like Jordan Love. I like Jordan. You can like Jordan Love. You can not like Jordan Love. Yes, he threw, threw picks, whatever you want. But if I'm Jordan Love after a day of feeling miserable that we lost, or maybe a week or maybe a month, whatever you got to do, If I'm Jordan Love, and I am the Green Bay Packers, I am in that small percentage of teams that feels great about my quarterback right this moment. Think about it. The Lions got to feel good. That's my other one. The Lions are not only, not only are the Lions a hell of a football team, but they're a hell of a drafted football team. You can't draft a running back in the first round. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs looked pretty damn good. Why are they taking a linebacker, Jack Campbell, in the second round? They could have got him in the sixth round. Yeah, who's to say? And Campbell looked damn good. That defense looks damn good. Hutchinson looks damn good. It's a tough team. It's a tough team, and we should all want... Not just by birthright. See, Kentucky basketball are loved by Kentucky fans by birthright. But even by birthright, there are certain teams that don't resonate with Kentucky fans. Basically, Indiana basketball. By birthright, Indiana basketball fans love Indiana basketball. But this year's team in Indiana, you couldn't like if they were your own son or daughter. Period. But this team, this Lions team, this Team is incredible. Last thing before we go, Jack Brewer, nine year NFL player, team captain, is going to join us and we're going to talk some NFL, but I got to tell you something else. Remember a few weeks ago, I told you Patrick Mahomes didn't respect his opponent and he was just throwing footballs around. He respected him yesterday. And now it becomes this Does Bill Belichick become the new coach of the Bills? Does Bill Belichick become what? Where? How? What? He's been interviewed a couple times in Atlanta. If I'm Bill Belichick, I'm telling Atlanta, Thank you, but Josh Allen's on the line. Now, if you're the Bills, do you really want Bill Belichick? I mean, not like he's been any good. This is something people aren't talking about, I'm going to ask Jack Brewer. He had not been very good since Tom Brady left, people. Hey, Bruce Pearl's going to join us as well. We got a monster. Stay right here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. You know, Jack Brewer played a long time, team captain, a bunch of different awards, but man, I don't think he's ever looked better than a nice tie, a shirt, American flag sitting there right behind him. Very presidential today, Jack Brewer. Thank you.
5: Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm doing this in between, in between work. I'm actually headed into uh, the prison today to teach some classes, man. So whenever I walk in there, I like to try to look clean.
0: Yeah, and you do. You pull it off, nice, man. I'm getting ready to stand up, salute, vote for you. The whole damn thing, man. I like it. I'm in. All right, Jack. Let's run through a couple of things. If if you were, let's let's just let's take the Buffalo Bills. Would you want to change coaches? Would you want Belichick in there? You know what? I, I wouldn't.
5: You know, but you know, I'm, I'm a little biased because I, I I played for Sean McDermott, who's one of my favorite coaches of all time. Uh, so I'm a little bit biased there. I, you know, listen, if, if Diggs catches that that perfect pass uh, thrown by Jared Allen last night, we're having a different conversation right now. You got to catch that ball in the playoffs. I mean, uh, you know, he put his team in position to win that football game, uh, to have a kicker then come back after that and, and, and to miss, miss a field goal. Uh, I don't think you make a change there. I think you have a, a team and an organization that is on the rise uh, and and they should be in Super Bowl contention for the next few years, and so I wouldn't risk changing the culture.
0: No, I wouldn't either. You know, people forget Belichick is not the coach of New England for a reason. Now, I'm not right. saying he's not a great coach. I'm I'm not saying that, but you know, since Brady, I don't know, man. What do you? How does it happen? How does a locker room? How do? What goes on? from now until the start of next season in a locker room like Buffalo's where three out of the last four years they've been eliminated by the same guy, basically, by Patrick Mahomes, the same team, the Kansas City Chiefs. What goes on here?
5: Well, you you know, at at some point you you just got to, you know, keep focusing on the little things, man. I mean, when you have something that's a well-oiled machine, you just have to focus on the small little things that you need to change. You don't need to come in and try to do sweeping changes uh, across the board, like I said, you're one, you're one catch away uh, from beating that team last night, and so I think you have to keep that in mind, and you have to make sure that you you keep your your your, your captains and and your team leaders. You have to keep those guys motivated, uh, and you have to make sure that their offseason plans are going to be uh, the, the toughest, the most hardworking that they've ever had. And you need a deep, deep commit, uh, commitment, because being a Super Bowl team starts right now. It's the day after uh, that the season starts. And, and you need to really sit down with your leadership uh, and figure out what their plans are, what they're about. Uh, and as an organization, you know, going into this draft, you have to make sure you fill your gaps. Uh, and like I said, that starts with the little things, the small little areas, uh, whether that's culturally, uh, whether that's the way that you run your practices. Maybe it's what you demand from your, pl- your players. Uh, those small things you can change up in the off season uh, to, to really kind of change and create that culture. That's what New England did. That's exactly what the Chiefs have now. Uh, they have they have that it factor. And in order to get that it factor, it starts with the little things, man.
0: You know, I've never seen a coach do this, Jack. Uh, I've never seen what John Harbaugh did. He came into a press conference after a hell of a game. I mean, they put a whooping. And and Lamar Jackson's my all-time favorite player. Now he's not. Walter Payton is, but he's moving up the ladder. I've never seen anybody go read Bible verses to the media to start a press conference, Jack. Give me your thoughts.
5: Man, that was an anointed opportunity, man, and he he seized it. And he uh, really, you know, exemplified his faith to the world. Uh, and if you look, you know what the beautiful thing is, and I haven't heard anyone talk about this. His brother did the same thing after winning the national championship. And so you see the spirit that both of them are walking in um, right now. You know, I was blessed, man. I got a chance to to play for for John Harbaugh. Uh, also playing for Sean McDermott under Andy Reid. And so these are strong men of God that that walk by their faith. But John Harbaugh is an incredible man. And in and and to to really you know he he really set the tone of that locker room i would not want to play the baltimore ravens right now having a man of god like that stand on the podium uh and declare his faith uh was a beautiful thing and i and, and i think you know it's exactly what the nfl needed i think the nfl needs more of that and they they need to continue to to raise up men of faith like that uh which is which is what i'm seeing and i'll say one more thing i haven't been the biggest nfl fan I'm starting to watch the game again uh, because of men like John Harbaugh.
0: You know, let me go into the on the field. You know, I I don't know. I, I, I remember when Lamar Jackson came out and people said he should be this, and I'm thinking, that's stupid. I don't know football like you guys know football, but I know Lamar Jackson at quarterback's a bad boy. He's the MVP. They're the best team as we sit here right now, right? I mean, look, you got to beat the Chiefs, right. and that's not easy. But this, this is the best team, the Ravens, right? No doubt. People forget how, how
5: small the difference is. You're talking about second. You're talking about centimeters uh, between being a Super Bowl champion and just a playoff contender. Uh, and so when people are that hard on Lamar Jackson, you watch a kid – Um, that makes the type of plays that he has, that he's able to move the chains with his feet or with his arm, uh, and the way that he's starting to understand the game more, uh, reading defenses better. How could you not be a fan of this guy? How could you feel that this guy couldn't win a Super Bowl? Uh, You just don't understand the game of football. And I think uh, he's exemplifying that. Uh, I think uh, John Harbaugh and that entire organization – Ah, uh, general management on down have done an incredible job of putting the 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 peaches and the weapons around him. Uh, but you know, it's just a true testament. It's a true testament that the Monday morning quarterbacks uh, are are just that. They're Monday morning quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you say whatever you'd like, uh, but that's a bad boy. I also, <laughs> I'm a big fan. Like, I, I'm I'm a big fan. Of Aaron Jones, like Aaron Jones and Christian McCaffrey as running backs, again, that's two bad boys right there. I I, I could bad watch boys. those two play all day. Yeah.
5: No doubt. No doubt. And if and if and if anybody uh, says a white boy can't play running back, uh, they need to be slapped <laughs> uh, because that's just, that's just not true, man. I remember when I played, and I'll tell you, man, I played against Mike Allstock. I'll never forget this oh. guy people were people were popping off his thighs. i'm talking about we have big jokers in the in the in in the, in the front seven they couldn't stop him you know so <laughs> it's just that's all again rhetoric from folks that probably never played the game they don't understand uh skin color means absolutely nothing uh when it comes to sports you got people of all shapes sizes and colors that can play ball it's really the hunger uh and the reason why you see so many young black kids uh, playing footballs because they made they They got a little bit more bite. They're a little bit more hungry I was hungrier than most of the people um, that I played against why because I was trying to go to college I was trying to make be the first in my family to make it to be able to help my mom get a car My dad get a car a house and different things that we needed. I was hungry for it So I would go and lay my head and knock you out. I can't tell you that my son uh, who sits here and, and and with all of the the stuff that he has and access to it? I can't tell you that he run his hand his head through a a, a a wedge the way I ran my head through a wedge. And so we have to be realistic <laughs> when we speak and stop thinking about skin color and keep it real.
0: Man, I'm I'm with you on that. Hey, how do how do the Forty ers and the Lions stack up? You know. I, I, I really think the
5: 49ers are going to take it. Um, I, I think, you know, they've been playing some good football this year. Um, I, I think the experience of the Lions will catch up with them, their playoff experience. Uh, I think they're a year away uh, from really being able to make a, a, real, a real run. I think you're going to see, you know, 49ers have a, a, an experienced coaching staff with players that have been there before, uh, and in the playoffs, that means so much.
0: You know, one of the things that I, I love about the NFL is guys, when they get second chances, some make the most of it, some don't. And a guy like Jared Goff making the most of it, a guy like Baker Mayfield, you know, making the most of it. I, I, I love those stories. A guy like, you know, C.J. Stroud coming in and being so good as a rookie. I think the stories of these, some of these quarterbacks are pretty cool.
5: They really are, especially these days. You know, quarterbacks – get beat up a lot and the expectations nowadays are so high for a quarterback i mean think about it right. 15 20 years ago you weren't expecting you know 23 24 year olds um to to, to necessarily uh come into to a, a organization and become the face of the franchise make no mistakes to have perfect games it's almost like now if you don't win the super bowl or go to the conference championship then you failed and so to see some of these guys right. that have had the pressure as so young. I mean everybody you just mentioned are under 25 years old. And so, you know, these these are these are young, young quarterbacks. And so uh to see people already like judge them and, and count them out so early in their career uh is really not fair. and uh, so when you see them, you know, respond and bounce back like a Baker Mayfield did, uh it's it's truly incredible. It, it keeps you uh being a fan of the sport. Uh, and, and and you know it, it's it's really uh, motivating to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I mean like Jordan Love. Jordan Love goes and sits for a couple three years. You know nobody wants to do that, but it seems to work out pretty good. The Packers' way of doing it, no, no doubt. And you, you think
5: Jordan Love didn't stop working, right? He didn't stop watch stop right, stop watching right. film. You know he didn't go to sleep somewhere. Uh, he, you know he 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 continued to work and believe in himself and. And sometimes those things actually help you. Sometimes people aren't ready at the same point of their career when the organization maybe might want them to be ready. Some people just take more time to understand the game, for the game to slow down. People have to remember the difference between the National Football League and college football, the difference between high school football and college football is the speed of the game. The second you get to where that game slows down, I remember I played special teams, and I knew where the ball was going the second it hit off of that kicker's foot. When I when I was in in, in my pro career, second, third, fourth year, I'd make almost every every tackle on special teams because the game had slowed down for me. Uh, and so that same thing happens at the quarterback position. You can anticipate where a defensive back's going to be. You can anticipate uh, where the coverage and the holes are going to be. You can anticipate when to step up and find your throwing lane. All those things take time. This is a very complex, intrinsic sport that is played by the best athletes in the world at the highest level. And so some people just need a little bit more time. And so uh, I think some organizations do a better job figuring that out than others. Green Bay Packers is an example of that. They are patient with their quarterbacks, um, and, and that's why you've seen you know, year after year Decade after decade, the Green Bay Packers are having quarterbacks that may not necessarily have been the guy uh, at the, in their rookie season, uh, but they're in, ending up with amazing careers, Hall of Fame careers, uh, and I think they're going to have the same situation happen for them again.
0: Yeah, you know, you make a great point where you say Jordan Love didn't stop working. It's not like he just sat there and collected a paycheck with a clipboard in, you know in his back pocket. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. People forget that.
5: That's right. People forget it, and that's just like any other job. I mean, think about it. I'm, I'm about to go into prisons and teach. You know, if I don't study my material and prepare, I'm not going to be able to help these guys, you know, change their lives and get back in their in their families and become fathers again. And so whatever we're doing, we got to keep sharpening our skills, and it's no different with football. You know, you can't count a guy out, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, I mean, it's one thing if you're 45 years old, but, you know, these guys that are in their, their late 20s, early 30s, uh, they still have some gas in the tank. I remember watching, like, Cade McNown play with me in college. Man, this guy ended up playing 15, 16, 17 years in the, in the NFL uh, and, and seemed like he got better and better every year, and that's because the game continued to slow down for him. So example after example, uh, especially at the quarterback position, of, of how long-term dedication uh, can actually work for you, man. It's like fine wine. It gets better with age.
0: Yeah, it does. And uh, you do too, and I do too. That's what I'm saying, man. We just keep getting better <laughs> hey, man, I'm with, with age.
5: That, man. I, hey. I,
0: stand, I stand on that. Hey, have a great day. Thanks for all you're doing for the prisoners. They're lucky to have you, Jack. Thanks, my friend.
5: God bless you, brother. God bless Outkick, man.
0: Thank you, sir. That's the great Jack Brewer. Look, going in and teaching the prisoners, man. What a good dude. What an absolute fantastic man. And uh, I'm with him. You know what? I like that Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh got up there <laughs> and professed his faith. I like that C.J. Stroud did that. I like that there's a video going on right now about Patrick Mahomes taking a knee on the field before the game. Nothing wrong with that. we got to fight back against people that don't like that. The person that does like that is on an 11-game college basketball winning streak. He's our friend Bruce Pearl. He's going to join us next. That's it. i got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. All right, get ready for it. Get ready for it. It's already happening. Something happened yesterday in women's basketball. Bruce Pearl's going to join us in about five minutes. Something happened yesterday that shook the college women's basketball game to its core. First, one of them is Iowa got beat. Iowa went to... Ohio State and got beat. The game was on NBC, which is pretty cool. And then after the game, this happened.
6: Fans storming the court. And as she was trying to exit, she ran into a fan. You can see it here. As she was trying to leave, Ohio State's Kevin McGuff, the head coach, began his press conference apologizing to her. He said they had the security in place, but the fans beat them to the court. I want to play for you what Clark had to say about the incident right after the game and her post-game press availability. Take a listen to Caitlin here. Kind of scary,
7: but caused a positive, pretty serious injury to me and knocked the wind out of me, but... Um... Luckily, my teammates kind of picked me up and got me off the court. So, um, and their AD already came and apologized to me. So I really appreciate that. And um, you know, this is what comes with the territory. I mean, I'm sure they tried their best to do whatever they could. Obviously, it didn't work, and that's disappointing. But um, you know, just focus now on the game. And, you know, ways we can get better.
0: Yeah, you know, it's impossible. I I lost my career, true story, to a court storming. We were 12-2, and I think, and we had come back from 17. I had this player who only averaged a couple points a game because he kept having knee surgery, but he was a great player. I thought he was going to be an NBA player when he came to Bowling Green. So we were down 13-15 to Toledo. Boom, you see right here she gets knocked down. But we win. We come back. Crowd rushes the court. I go shake the other coach's hand, go into by the locker room. All of a sudden, I hear screaming. One of our own fans had jumped on the back of my kid, Jermaine Fitch, and tore his ACL again. Now, Jermaine had just had the best half of his career. He had two ACL surgeries, came back from both. When we won the game, I kind of hit my assistant, Artie Papella, and I said, Bones, nobody's beating us now. Not if Jermaine's going to be back. Well, we ended up winning 18 games. It was like second or third to last year, second to last year, as opposed to winning 25. We were that kind of good with this kid Fitch. But I still don't dislike court storming. I think it's fun. Look, uh, what I don't like is goofy ass fan with her little camera. That, you know, the, 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 what's the right word? I, I don't blame anybody. It's no big deal. You know, everybody's fine. But we gotta be aware when we drive. We gotta be aware when we're around other people that it's not just us. I mean, there's a lot of people involved here. So I am pro court storming. Bad what happened to Caitlin Clark? She seemed to handle it well. Her coach was pissed, but she seemed to handle it well. And you know what? You move on. But as a guy, as a guy who basically lost his career to a court storming injury, uh, at Bowling Green. I'm still okay with storming the court. Bruce Pearl joins us. Now, there are different levels of programs. When Bruce went to Auburn, Auburn's SEC program, good program. Bruce took it to an incredible level to where. Now, if or when, which is apparently not in the last 11 games, somebody does beat them, they're going to storm the court. His program has elevated into a court-storming program. You know, it used to be reserved, Bruce, for only, like, beat Duke or 76 Hoosiers. Auburn Tigers with 11 games. You are a court-storming team
8: if, you know, Dan, if I, a team tell, can ever beat you. I tell people, act like you've been there before, right? You know, my, my, my wife always says that to me. You know, I'll walk into, a, like, a really nice place. You know, Dan, you and I are nobody from nowhere, you know? And every now and then we'll walk into a really nice place and our, I mean, our, our jaw will drop. You know, and it's like, like Elmo act like you've been like someplace nice. I mean, honey, I have it, Okay, this is <laughs> this is really cool. Um, you know, I I hear you. I, I'm I'm full court storming, but it's got to be managed because it is dangerous. Uh, you know, we got court storm last two years ago at Arkansas, and uh, we were number one, and and uh, that was that was that was the, uh, one of the days Muslim got got undressed, and um, you know, some people just shouldn't. You know, some people just shouldn't. Like, I shouldn't. I've done it before, and I shouldn't. I mean, America doesn't need to see this at all.
0: Um, no, I got to tell you, Coach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there because I, um, uh, I think you're the guy that started coaches taking their shirt off. And so I'm going back to Tennessee where you were sitting there at women's games, you know, in, in, in full pearl. It was full pearl. It was full, you know, glory. You started that trend, Coach
8: yeah my son my son's the one with the with the body that you'd want to walk around you know without any yes. clothes on. not me um, but uh no it in all seriousness uh, at Arkansas they said they had a plan and they didn't and I about I about got trampled uh, and I can't you know and I can't move very well and um, you know a police officer kind of picked me up kind of as I was falling on the ground I would have got you know like 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 trampled. But that could have been really serious yesterday. You know, I, I think there's nothing wrong with, uh, like, especially when we know the game is going to be decided, you know, let the opposing team get off the floor for a second, call a timeout, um, you know, or maybe just have those, and I guess they supposedly said they did, you know, have those ropes off to a side where the benches are just flat out, you know. but 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 at Arkansas, you have to walk across the court to get to the exit. So it's a – it's a real, real – it is, it, is, it is a problem, and, and, and thank God she didn't get hurt.
0: You know, it, for a guy like you who's very visible and controversial, you know, uh, it's not just players, it's coaches, because there are some whacked-out people. Yeah, I know it just means more in the SEC, but there are some whacked-out freaking people, man, that would love, at least in theory, to get close to you, and in theory – Say something to you now. You and I both know the reality is they they would stand back or say something and run away. But coaches are high profile man. You're in a little, you're in a lot of danger, in my opinion.
8: Yeah, you know you got to try and uh, you got to try and and, and uh, separate it. And 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 for the the vast majority of my career, I have. You know, you really can't hear them. They think you can. And the one thing you don't want to do, Dan, is you know, is you don't ever want to make eye contact with a fan that's up there giving you a hard time. Because um, then they they kind of have you. Um, and then I will tell you one really good story. So I'm at Tennessee. And, uh, you know, I'm having my issues at Tennessee. And uh, my daughter is at the game. And you know my kids. So, therefore, my, do- my daughter, she ain't no joke now. And so uh, – I'm getting worn out by this Kentucky fan, and uh, it's halftime, and he's talking to me, and he's like three or four rows up, but just like one or two rows behind my my daughter. And I just finally make eye contact. Now, he, now he's got me. And I just start – I shake my head, and I start to laugh. He says, what are you laughing at? And I actually kind of took a step closer to him. I said, let me tell you what I'm laughing at. You see that girl like two rows away from you? I'm just laughing, wondering what you're gonna to say to your lovely wife who's sitting right next to you after my daughter comes over there and kicks your ass. <laughs> like, what are you gonna to say to your wife after a girl bitch slaps you? And and that was the extent of it. That's the only time I've. Well, I, yeah. Anyways. No, no you're
0: full of shit. There's been way more times than one time. You're no, come been. on. Here. Don't don't been. try that. No no no. And you know hey. Bruce, that's it's human nature, man. I mean, you can only take so much. But you're absolutely right. When you give them any kind of acknowledgement, they got you.
8: Yeah, and look, they paid for their seats, and 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 you know what? They could they could they cheer for their team. They can say pretty much, you know, whatever they want. There are a few buzzwords that'll set you off every now and then. But I got to do my job, and you know, they got to do their day job, and you know, and uh, you know, for the most part, hey, for the most part. It's it's really really good. It's really really good.
0: Yeah, uh coach, uh you guys are riding an 11 game winning streak. You know, I always said, man, 11 game winning streaks nice cuz you don't wake up miserable for about 2 months.
8: <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Yeah, it's true. We haven't lost since uh, December 4th. But why would I know that? You know, why would I know that? I can't remember. Right. I I know why. I can tell you exactly when we lost and where and why. Um, We're going to get beat. We're going to get beat pretty soon. Um, And and that's fine. That's part of the process. You know, the key is, you know, don't beat yourself. And, And and everybody gets affected. Oh, God, you look at the conference season and, you know, just look at what's going on. And and you know it is hard to win 11 in a row, but we've beaten. Look, we beat the teams that we were supposed to beat. We go to Alabama on Wednesday. We go to Mississippi State on Saturday. We got to go back to Ole Miss, a team that we you know really played very well against on Saturday, in a, in a wonderful ranked game. How cool is it though, Dan? Because you know what this is like. You work so hard to get your program in a spot. And I told I told Chris Beard this the other night before our game. I said, Coach, you worked really hard. We there's never been a nationally ranked Auburn versus Ole Miss basketball game in the history of our of of, of our basketball. So let's recognize you know the fact that look we both got our teams where we kind of in a position we we're in position to be in position, and uh, we'll celebrate that for right now. And then the key is you know just can we can we continue to um, beat the teams we're supposed to beat, and then maybe get a couple we're not supposed to beat. That's what that's what champions do.
0: I got to ask you, I remember the day, the day I was a grad assistant, Indiana, 1986, when Bob Knight sprung the get in position to be in position. And I looked over at an assistant coach named Royce Waltman, and I said, what the fuck does that mean? He, he said, think about it, dummy. And so I thought about it, and then I understood it, right? That's a big, that's a coaching thing.
8: It, I, I say it, I, I, I've been saying it all the time. I say it all the time. I've been saying a lot this year. In fact, that's kind of one of our—that's kind of one of our things. Uh, Chad Baker, I'm always saying, Chad, what position are we in? He said, Coach, we're in position to be in position. That's my—that was my Dominican dialect, uh, and um, and that's where you want to be, you know. That's that, and that's what you work for, and and you know, I could see that in Coach Knight, because his whole thing was, look, we're gonna we're gonna prepare, and we're gonna do everything that we can humanly possibly do, to do what to be in position
0: That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And then we you know, and then when you get you know, it's like uh, I like to play craps. And you're trying to get in position to where you got all the numbers lined up and now let's roll some numbers. Sometimes it doesn't roll the numbers, but I got myself in that that get in position, Bruce, is is it's 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 in every walk of life. All right. I looked this up I was having a conversation with some uh, friends of mine. They were asking me who's the best team in college basketball. I go, look, I don't know what this means, but I know there's only two teams in the country in the top ten, offensive and defensive efficiency, and that's you guys and Arizona. Now, that's got to mean something because people used to ask me when I coach, what's your goals for your team? I say, well, I want to be the leading scoring team in the country, and I want to be the best defensive team in the country. So there you go. Right. But, you know, that's the goal. <laughs> Top 10 in both. That's, that's, that's pretty good, coach.
8: Yeah. And I, I've seen Arizona. I've seen them. I saw them this summer. Uh, and uh, as they went to Israel and uh, with athletes for Israel, they went to uh, had a great trip. I knew they were really, really good. They're really well coached. And and it's going to be interesting uh, in a sense that, you know, can they pull off? Can they pull a Virginia? Because you remember they got beat against uh, Penn, I think, or somebody early last year an Ivy League team right and in the first round I like got a 215 type game much like the 116 uh game where uh, Virginia came back and won the national championships the next year so I think that's possible you know Dan I think that um our kids are playing playing really hard I think they' they're they're having some joy in recognizing that look we can make some offense from our defense if we can make it really hard on these guys to score. And they're they're absolutely bought into that. Part is playing ten or eleven. Now we got ten guys playing fifteen minutes or more, um, and so the kids are all bought into being unselfish. It's hard. All, it's hard, though, you know, for everybody's family to understand that. You know, look, you know, your son's not playing thirty-two. He's playing twenty-two or twenty-four, and so no, he's not a double-double guy every night. But he's been productive. And and I tell parents, look, your job is to support your kids. You should support your kids. But at the same time, can you also at least somehow think about in your own passion for your own children? Can you think about some of the other kids that are on there and just let that sort of keep you in balance as it relates to the pressure you put on your, your child to be able to put perform? And then then the kids got to explain, well, why aren't you playing more? Why aren't you starting? Why aren't you, you know, whatever? And again, their parents should do that. They, they they should love their their kids and support their kids, but that's a that's a real challenge these days. And I can see my guys in my locker room understanding it. And I can even explain them. Look, you don't have to explain it to your folks. You just got to listen to your folks and be respectful of them and 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 nod your head and 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 and. and but boy, I tell you what, it's a great lesson. of parents sometimes they can they can support your kids, and and trust
0: your kids. Because they're in
8: that locker they know what's going on.
0: Yeah, and do, do you have to take the pulse after every game? You shouldn't have to.
8: And, of course, what happens, winning, winning. you know, you know, it covers everything up. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, but, listen, I, I love my parents. I, I've got great parents, and they love their kids. And these kids wouldn't be here without all that love and support. And we just and, and their job is not to support me you know or even like me. I hope they respect me and I hope the fact that they really truly believe that I really do care about their kids. They were recruited in the right way. They were all told how I was going to play now. I remember Pat Summit and oh God wait I'm light years away from Pat Summit but I remembered this would be such a coach Knight thing too Dan. Um, when Candace Parker was was and she was a great great talent. And 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 she would be the first to tell you she had a lot of things to do, including just some maturity and work ethic and stuff like that. And I can remember Pat Summit saying to her many, many kids, look, girl, you signed up for this. You knew what being a lady ball was all about and all that it accompanied. Nobody went to play for Coach Knight and didn't understand what it was all about. Now, I'm, we are all different. We're our own, our own people. But they know that, that I'm going to be demanding of them off the court in the community going to class like I remember I remember when, when classes started like two weeks ago I told our guys I said miss class you'll miss a rotation miss class if you're starting you'll come off the bench and I had a couple guys like look at me like really like are you, really I said yeah guys in so the first semester we ran in the first semester we did this we did this now I got playing time go ahead and miss class and go ahead and not start and and, and, and I told you that when I recruited you. And I think one of the keys is if you can be honest with kids and if you can be, be straight up with them, they will run through a wall for you. They will play for you, even if it's not perfect. But if you lie to them and you tell them it's going to be this and they get there and it's that, well, you got some explaining to do. And then when things don't go well – now all of a sudden they're hard. They're they're harder to coach, and they should be harder to coach. Cause to get them, you told them things that weren't good, that weren't true.
0: You know, coaches always say it's you know I want eight players. Too many is difficult with parents. But to your point, if you tell somebody, hey look, you're going to miss a rotation, or hey look, you're going to miss out on a start, you can get Wally pipped when you guy coming in and playing is really good, and you know he's really good. You know, like players know, all right, that guy's starting because coach is pissed. That's going to last five minutes. Well, that guy's starting. Oh, shit, he's really good. I don't I better get my ass going. Yeah. It's a good,
8: it's a good, I look, I think it's great lesson. I think it's a great lesson in life. And, you know, I tell, I tell employers, why, why aren't you hiring athletes? You guys should be standing in line hiring these kids. I said oh, they work right. harder than the average kids. They're up earlier. Some of them don't have the same academic background and they got to spend three hours doing something that takes you three, three, three minutes. Um, they failed. They have been on a big stage. They understand sacrifice of a team. You put them in an office setting, you put them in your company. They understand, look, I got to do what I got to do. They, they, they gotta be selfish to want to do what's good for their families. But they also realize, look, I can't get this done without all these other people doing what they're supposed to do. And what kids learn that? As well as student athletes learn it, and and so I think we're getting our kids ready to be able to go out there and 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 make a little bit of money playing a game. Heck, they're making a little bit of money right now. Dan, can you believe the can you believe the little little bit of money that these guys are making right now in college? When when you were playing, shoot, you might have made more as a you might have made more at IU than you ever made, made playing over pro.
0: I I would have been pissed all the time. I would have been the guy that's like, okay, Alford. You can make money, Alford, but Stu Robinson, you better not be making one freaking dime more than me. I'd have been the evaluator, you know what I mean? Every, every team's got an evaluator. I'd have been the evaluator. Was making, he was making <laughs> coin in high school.
8: I mean, could you imagine if he was on an ideal, the way they were filling up that oh. gym? Where was he, Newcastle? Where, I mean, where, where was he?
0: Yeah, New, yeah New, 10,000 in Newcastle, right? I mean, he was selling He was selling calendars of himself without a shirt and sweaty as a senior. Hey, before I let you go, a um, couple years, year ago, people were talking about the high level of college basketball because it was older. Give me your thoughts on where overall where college basketball is right now.
8: Dan, I don't know. I, I haven't heard – well, we've been busy, so I apologize. I haven't heard you lately uh, in the last you know, couple weeks. I, I, the game's good. Dan, I, I, I think the game – is really really good. You know, I didn't like I didn't like the rule change of the secondary defender not being able to come over uh or, and take that charge. And I didn't like the timing of the rule change because like I had recruited my team and then all of a sudden you change the rules after my roster's set. You know, I would have liked to have known that. Now, it 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 did it has brought in a little bit too much iso ball um because because it's hard to keep guys in front but I tell you what, it's lessened the number of collisions. It's lessened the m- number of people that are kind of, you know, you beat your guy in an individual move, but then there's that other guy just like there. And and and, and I, I kind of think it's made for a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more freedom of movement. Um, and then what it's done is it, 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 it's allowed, I think there are some fewer whistles, you know, because of it, there are fewer stoppages in play. Verticality at the rim is really important. Um, these kids play hard. It's crazy to watch conference games right now. You know, on a, on a Tuesday night in January, the building is full, and these are, kids are playing every possession. They're diving in a flow, loose. I I, I I, just think it's as good a product in sports as, as
0: there is. I have a saying, every night college basketball delivers. I, I do, I, every mm-hmm. night. Every night you, – you, I don't care. It can be in Memphis. It can be Tulane. It can be Auburn. It can be Indiana. I don't give a damn. Every night, I don't care if it's a Wednesday. It's 3,000 degrees below zero here in Indiana. Turn on your TV. Uh, Every night, something's going to deliver, and it's going to be good on some channel. It's great. It is.
8: I I agree. And the difference is, you know, the differences between the, the haves and have-nots, Just they just aren't there that great when, you know, Kansas, who's so well-coached and such a great team, can go to West Virginia. It makes you – it's 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 what to watch for. It makes people obviously pay attention. Um, but I, I think the other two is it also it, – it, because that can happen, I think you should appreciate your champions even more because, yeah, they may have been a little uh. bit more talented, and, yeah, they may have been a little deeper – and sometimes I may have been a little bit more well coached but you know what they they brought it almost every night and all we want to try to do is is just look we were picked to finish sixth and i thought sixth was about as high as we could finish 5 6 and i think now our window right now is is 1 through 6 right i just i still think we're there it's early we are better than people thought we're not as good as they think we are right now and we'll find out Wednesday night at Tuscaloosa
0: Hey, I got to ask you real quick before you go. I, I I don't I don't know how good is this seven foot big Z at Kentucky. Uh, how, did you recruit him? How good was he?
8: I can't recruit at that level. I don't recruit at that level. Oh, um, stop. stop! I don't. I don't. I don't. We have one McDonald's All American on our team. We have one, and um, you know most of my guys. I always like Burger King better, anyways. That frame-broiled hamburger, way, way, way better. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think McClellan's a, a sponsor. Yeah. Hope they're not a sponsor if you yeah. were me. They won't be. They, they're never going to be yeah. now. Um, he's good. I mean, like, he's really good. And I think John Calipari is doing as good a job this year with this group as I've seen in a while in a sense that, boy, they're, they're playing fast. They're playing free. They're playing with with. Uh, – he's got real talent. But they're le- he's letting them go. And um, they're fun to watch. I, I mean, they, I got to play them in a few weeks, but they—they are they offensively. I mean, I mean, they're—they're they're putting a hundred on people right now in league play. So no, like you said, it's good, and uh, I hope—I uh, hope that we uh, can continue to uh, play. I'm proud of my kids. Our guys are playing hard. They're playing together, and uh, our league is really good. The SEC, man, night in, night in, night out. Got to bring it.
0: I feel like every year you're picked like eighth, sixth, ninth, seventh, and next thing you know it's like, oh man, Bruce's team is in first place. They got a big one against Alabama. They got a big one. Yeah. I feel like he every. I, I feel like even at I'm, Southern I'm, I'm, Indiana they picked. Huh? Pearl must be cheating. He must be cheating. That's, he must.
8: That's <laughs> the only way. That's the only way we could be getting it done. Uh, that's all right. I, I, I will never. I will never change from the standpoint of this. I am humble, hungry. I am blessed. Can you believe the opportunity that that, that Auburn's given us here, and uh, to be doing what we're doing? Um, so, I, I tell you one thing: success. I I am an asshole, and success will never change me.
0: <laughs> hey, you and I. I'm going to let you go. I kept you too long, and we did. Uh, we didn't solve the world's problems, but this was a blast, man. Time. I appreciate you. Okay. We really All right. Do. Usually we do. Best of the family. Keep Thanks, going, coach. Brother. Tell everybody. Yeah, tell going? everybody hello. Tell Stephen hello. I will. All right. That's the great Bruce Pearl. All I got to do is go to go to Twitter and follow him. You'll get educated. You will. You'll get educated on basketball and life. More importantly, relations overseas. He is a unafraid, unfiltered. I'll give him. I'll say he's a basketball coach, but he's so much more than a basketball coach. And I love having him on. I just do. It's just fun for me to have people on like that. Hey, Jason Kelsey is living his best life. Do you think Jason Kelsey woke up? I I need answers to this when we go to break here in about 10 minutes or so. I need answers. Do you think Jason Kelsey woke up today and went, "Oh, shoot. Did I really do all that? Did did I really? Did I did I?" Uh. Let's go stock up, stock down, people. You guys ready to go? Let's go. Stock up, stock down John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens. Let's make no mistake about it. Coming out of this past weekend, John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens, my view, I know everybody's got their own different deal, and I would say the Chiefs are right up there with them given how they won and where they won, but the best team coming out of this weekend was John Harbaugh's Ravens. And John Harbaugh did a thing that I have not seen. Maybe we'll see more. Maybe I just missed it. He came to the postgame press conference with his Bible and read a Bible quote. And I thought that was good. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was fun. I thought that was something that this world needs more of. I do. World needs less of NBC censoring CJ Stroud after a big win last week and more of Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh who seems to live it. Like, I, if Jim Harbaugh, and I guess maybe he did, came to a podium after a game and read a Bible verse, I don't know where I would be with it. I don't know how much I'd be down to clown with Jim Harbaugh doing that, but John Harbaugh seems to have lived it. Uh, yesterday, something truly, truly, truly remarkable happened in the world of sports. His name was Nick Dunlap. Now, I don't know if you got a chance to see this at all, but it was the American Express tournament in La Quinta, California. And for whatever the reason, I had been following this tournament. I had been following this kid. It started like on Thursday or maybe it was Friday. I can't remember. He shot like 60 on Saturday, but I had started following him the week before. This is an amateur. This is a 20 year old from the university of Alabama. He's on the golf team. He is on the golf team right now. He is the first amateur to win. First amateur to win a PGA Tour event since 1991 when Phil Mickelson did it. Now I'm going to say that again. And he did it. He had to make a a five-and-a-half to six-foot putt to win it. He comes to the 18th hole. He thought he had a two-stroke lead, but the guy, a couple or group ahead, had birdied. So as a one-stroke lead. He didn't know it. He hits his tee shot off to the right, still thinks he has a two-shot lead. There's water on the left. He keeps it straight. He's got to get up and down for the win. He realized he has a one-stroke lead. Kid puts it to five and a half, six feet, knocks the putt in. I have no idea. This is a kid that has won the U.S. Amateur. He's a third-ranked amateur in the world. But my God, was that fun. He also, with a 259, set a record at the American Express. Again, 20 years old. He gets to play in the Masters, which he already was in. He gets, let me go through this, a two-year exemption on the PGA Tour. He gets in the PGA, the Players' Championship, invitation to the PGA Tour signature event. And, and, he can go pro now if he wants. And he was unflappable, and it was fun to watch. And there were tears, and there was crying, and there was girlfriends, and there was everything else. Congratulations, Nick Dunlap. What a great story. All right, congratulations also in order and stock up for the sixth straight year. Every year Patrick Mahomes has been in the NFL as a starting quarterback, the Kansas City Chiefs have gone have gone to the AFC Championship game. I'll tell you that again. Every year as a starting quarterback. Remember they had Alex Smith and Alex was a good player, really good. Got hurt all that kind of stuff and decided, "All right, we're going to go with Patrick Mahomes" and they haven't looked back. Stock down. Tyler Bass, Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott. I would put I'd put Stephon Diggs in there. Stephon Diggs in his big mouth. Stephon Diggs and all his talking. Stephon Diggs and all his bitching, whining, and moaning. Drops a pass that if you're a stud wide receiver, if you're Lynn Swan, I'm going back years and all of the guys that followed Lynn Swan. Look up Lynn Swan catches in the Super Bowl, then get back to me. But he has a ball right here. Defender's there, no question about it. It's not the easiest catch. It's shitty conditions. I get it. But guess what? He didn't make the play. Now, of course, everybody's going to shift their attention to the coach because that's what we do. Now, of course, everyone's going to shift their attention to the kicker, Tyler Bass, because that's what we do. Bass had a chance to put it in overtime. I don't think it would have gone to overtime, though. I think there was, what, a minute and 20, a minute 30 seconds to go, minute 47 to go. I think – Mahomes would have had him down the field and untied the tie, but never got that chance. Stock down. Stock down. Media outlets that mock Dan Campbell, mostly you, Jamel Hill. Look, if you're going to be a race baiter and a race hustler, then at least get it kind of sort of right. She said that, mockingly, that black... Candidates for head coaching positions are losing opportunities to this guy. And it was a shot at Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, obviously now the Lions coach. Indianapolis, Indianapolis Indians. Indianapolis Colts had a chance at who? Dan Campbell. Who'd they hire? Uh-uh. Frank Reich. Not good for business. If you mock Dan Campbell for how he looks, that's fine. Just say, hey, look, I was wrong. You ain't never going to hear it out of the race baiters, the race hustlers. Because that, in their mind, makes them look weak, yo. But good for Dan Campbell and good for his players who seem to absolutely love him. And good for Brad Holmes, the general manager, for having the stones to pick who the hell he wanted to pick, one of which is Jamar Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama who's a star. One of whom is Jack Campbell, no relation. Jack Campbell's a linebacker who personifies everything that Dan Campbell was as a player and is as a coach. Good for them. Uh, Stock down the beers Jason Kelsey deleted last night. Jason Kelsey, you don't see this very often. He jumped out of the suite into the crowd, downed a couple beers, hopped back in. He looked like a damn animal climbing around yesterday. And then the text came in from my daughter. Dad, are you watching? Yes, honey, I'm watching. What do you think about Jason Kelsey? He's a king. (laughs) He's a king. (laughs) I don't, look, let me go to Twitter because I asked a question earlier of our group and we're going to get the group chat in. We're going to, we're going to get the group chat in. We are. I swear, Aaron, aren't we getting the group chat in? All right. Jason Kelsey has zero regrets today. He was having fun. That's right. That's right. He was having a great time. Now, there it looks a little pathetic, all right? All right. But I ain't mad at having a good time. Hey, honorable mention, stock up, sack attack bets. Uh, sack attack, they came in. He came in awesome last night. He came in, and he just, let me go through them here so everybody understands. Guys get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. Sack attack yesterday had the Chiefs on the money line. Had the Chiefs getting three and a half, and halftime of the Lions game, he took the Lions minus three. So you know, uh, he took the Lions minus six and took the under a fifty. I want to tell you, we made a lot of money yesterday. We did. All right, we come back. We're going to show you once again the Caitlin Clark getting crashed into by some fan, and Ohio State, Ohio State football looking up, really. I'll tell you why we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. See, I'm doing nothing. But that's just me. I, I'm doing nothing to this fan here. Look, girl running on the feet court after Ohio State beat Caitlin Clark at Ohio State. She's oblivious to her surroundings. Watch. I don't know. Do we have the other angle? I like the other angle better. Do we have the other angle? There she goes down. Down goes Caitlin, and then she kind of walks away. And um, the girl's probably boom right there. Now, people are saying Caitlin Clark flopped. I don't know about that. I don't know. Boom. Look right at the B, B in Big Ten right there. It's a pretty hard hit. Um, here's what Caitlin Clark had to say about it.
6: Fans storming the court, and as she was trying to exit, she ran into a fan. You can see it here. As she was trying to leave, Ohio State's Kevin McGuff, the head coach, began his press conference, apologizing to her. He said they had the security in place, but the fans beat them to the court. I want to play for you what Clark had to say about the incident right after the game in her post-game press availability. Take a listen to Caitlin here.
7: Kind of scary, caused a positive, pretty serious injury to me, and knocked the wind out of me, but. Um... Luckily, the teammates kind of picked me up and got me off the court. So, um, and their AD already came and apologized to me. So I really appreciate that. And um, you know, this is what comes with the territory. I mean, I'm sure they tried their best to do whatever they could. Obviously, it didn't work, and that's disappointing. But um, you know, just focus now on the game. And, you know, ways we can get better.
0: There you go. There you go. So, you know what? At the end of the day, everybody is okay, and I think that the world will continue. I'm not mad at anybody. All right. Ohio State, according to Lane Kiffin, has spent upwards of $15 million, $13 million in the transfer portal. Hey, man, I'll tell you what I've learned If I'm Jason Day, I'm spending twice that. I'm spending whatever I can get my hands on. I'm paying everybody. The number three class, or the number three quarterback in the 2024 class is, uh, well, he's backed out. His name is Julian Sayan. He flipped from Alabama to Ohio State. Now, I'm not going to get into breakdown of money. Kansas State quarterback Will Howard has come over. Offensive lineman Sean McLaughlin has come over. He was a starter all 14 games for Bama. He's come over. Caleb Downs, who led Alabama in tackling, has come over. Alabama is being raided by Ohio State. They are. And Ohio State's done a nice job. Look, I would be at the point, nobody really cares. Nobody. And I mean nobody cares even a little bit what Ryan Day does, unless you beat Michigan. Nobody cares even a skosh. I mean, not even kind of, sort of. I would spend money like it's my job. You want to come at me, NCAA? Wonderful. Come at me. Beautiful. Come at me. Now, I don't know why all of these guys are transferring from Alabama to Ohio State. Maybe it's all about money, which it sure seems to be. Maybe it's all about Bill O'Brien. I mean, you're getting the leading tackler at Alabama to transfer to Ohio State. I get it. Saban's out. It's fertile ground. Go get their players. But man, oh man. All right. Waldorf Astoria is a famous place in San Francisco. The San Francisco Waldorf High School Girls' basketball team is riding a five-game winning streak, thanks in large part to a star player. Star player and captain, wait for it, Henry Hanlon. Yeah, I said it. Henry Hamlin on the Waldorf girls' high school basketball team. There you go. Henry Hanlon has played on the girls' team for three years. Dude's a male out there on the left. It's a dude playing on the girls' team. Now, you can see the referees. You can see the back of one and the face of one. And the guy's body language facing us is like, you got to be crapping. You got to be crazy. You got to be out of your mind. You got to be insane here. But that's what we got. We got old Henry Hanlon. I'm just going to do what I want to do because it's the best for me. All right. All right. <sighs> I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it. People make it stop. Um, speaking of making it stop in California, I like this guy too. Angels third baseman uh, Anthony has played a total of 148 games since 2021. Said on the Jack Vita show that the Major League Baseball season. It's too long. It's too long. Dude's played 148 games. Now, I don't know about you, but this is getting ready to be what? The 24th season? He's played 148 games in the last three years? Let's even say two years. He's played 70 games? The dude's making like $22 million a year. Let's hear from him. Here's what he says. you got to shorten the season. Too many dang games. 162 and 185 days or whatever it is, man, no. We got to shorten this bad boy up. You know, honest to God, that that doesn't it fall on deaf ears a little bit? Doesn't it like aren't we a little tired of that? Aren't we tired of guys that are athletes telling us we got to shorten things up? I mean, I didn't see ever and I always use him. Because he's unbelievable, it was unbelievable. Rest his soul. My my uncle uh, Jerry, my uncle Jerry worked in a steel mill for fifty some years. They didn't shorten his year up. Rendon's made two hundred. Listen to this. He signed a seven-year, two hundred and forty-five million dollar contract. That's thirty-five mil a year. By my accounts, three twenty-one, three five seven. Oh, I'm sorry, $38.5 million a year is what he's making this year. $38.5 million. See, See, yeah, tell the cop that. Tell the teacher that. Tell anybody that. Like, we got to shorten this bad boy up. Man, it, it, it drives you nuts. It does. You may think it, but we don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You may want to hear it. I don't you may want to hear it, but I got no dog in the fight. I don't want to hear it. Shorten it up. You guys should be playing year round and then on your days off, you should be visiting schools. Are you crazy? Listen to this one. This is our friend, legendary sideline reporter, and we thank her for coming in here, Michelle Tafoya, and just knocking it out. She is a friend of the show. She, she suggested Travis Kelsey, not Jason, Travis Kelsey is going to retire because she says she can see the two brothers having sort of a Manning cast show in their future. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is Michelle Tafoya.
9: I think Travis Kelsey is retiring after this season like his brother. So I think there's just a ton of motivation there uh, for them to, to do this. They they got badmouthed at a certain point here in like the last quarter of the season as being you know maybe Patrick was losing it which is kind of ludicrous but I think they're highly motivated I I gotta be honest I think Kansas City wins this game I think they go into Buffalo and they win the the Travis Kelsey remark you just made Michelle uh, yeah. can you shed any light on that any inside knowledge there well I can't really reveal my, my sure. Source. Sure, But I, I can just say that, that I think he's looking at future plans. Um, yeah. And so now, with his brother retiring, uh, you've you got to ask yourself okay, I kind of tweeted this out as a tease. I could totally see those two pulling a Peyton and Eli Manning sort of gig, uh, maybe on Peacock, be the companion piece to Sunday Night Football, where you've got the Peyton and Eli cast on ESTN 2 for Monday Night yeah. Football. Why doesn't Peacock do that with the Kelsey brothers on Sunday Night Football?
0: Well, I don't have the answer to that. And Michelle Tafoya does not seem like somebody that comes out and makes a statement like that uh, without having a pretty good source. I feel the same way. I feel like there is such a heightened, an incredible heightened year the attention is at a crescendo. The, the attention is just beyond anything that any tight end, other than maybe Gronk, I think it's even more than Gronk, has ever seen. And you add to it Taylor Swift and all that attention, and you add to all the commercials, and now you're playing. If they win, I could absolutely see Travis Kelsey go out if they lose. I could absolutely see Travis Kelsey go out. He was criticized, and he was rightfully so criticized. He was dropping balls. He's got not many jobs. Block somebody, catch a football. Pretty much it. Well, he was dropping a bunch. Played terrific yesterday. Why? Because he caught the ball. I, I also think this, though. I think you got to be very careful. The difference between Pat McAfee and how he has managed his career and Gronk and how he has managed his career is a, there's a stark difference here. There's a big time difference here. McAfee is fun. McAfee's irreverent. Gronkowski is fun. Gronkowski's irreverent. But McAfee's informative as hell. McAfee is driven. McAfee can handle the host spot, and that's not an easy spot. The analyst spot's easy. You just play off the host. But he handles the host spot. Actually, he handles everything. He handles the owner. He he handles everything. Gronkowski can't handle any of it. Gronkowski, Gronkowski can sit on the side with a big table with a bunch of guys and add something, but not really add something. See, McAfee has a presence in a room of guys, even with Jimmy Johnson or Dan O'Vlad, Mike Green, whatever. Gronkowski doesn't because his shtick is kind of high school. I mean, his shtick is kind of frat boy. McAfee has that shtick, but that's not his shtick. McAfee's informed as hell. He just is. McAfee gives you information. He just does. All right. Before I go to woke Dope, we're going to give you a taste. This is a taste of what the world should look like. This is Dana White. Dana White is going to give the world of reporters, the world of the woke, the world of the whiny, the uh, just a taste of what answers should be, of what leadership should be in the United States of America, where we're supposed to have free speech, free thought. Let's hear from Dana White.
1: You obviously give a long leash to your fighters about, you know, what they can say when they are up there with a the UFC microphone and you are getting into territory of homophobia, transphobia, like,
2: is there... I don't give anybody a leash. Well, I'm saying you... A leash? I'm st- like Free speech. Control when... what people say. I'm gonna tell people what to believe. I'm gonna tell people... I don't f- tell any other human being what to say, what to think, and there's no leashes. On any of them. What is your question? I was
1: asking that question. I'll move on,
2: though. Yeah, Uh, probably a good idea. That's ridiculous to say I give somebody a leash. Free speech, brother. People can say whatever they want, and they can believe whatever they want. Did you notice how bold the guy
0: was when he was asking the initial question? And then did you notice how the guy wimped away. Now, I'm sure this writer blogger will extract his revenge at some point by writing a scathing piece on it. And Dana White's going to go, oh, what? Well, here's an elephant's backside. It feels like a fly. That's a taste of what the world should be. It's a taste of how the world should react. Uh, you don't like what Dana White's guys have to say? Do yourself a favor. Don't watch. Do yourself a favor. Don't subscribe. Do yourself a favor. Don't attend. Pretty simple. But never, ever, ever are we to bend a knee to any of these clowns. Ever. Never, ever. Woke do dope me. Love the heads. L- inflation is Trump's fault. Inflation is Putin's fault. Inflation is your fault. Yes, it is all of the above. Joe Biden believes now that inflation is our fault. Look, here's what you got to understand about Joe Biden. He is, I would argue, other than maybe. Maybe. Now, I'll say in order, Clinton, who would be your three in a row? You got Nixon. Clinton and now you got Biden in terms of content, just in terms of content. Now, you got to understand, you know, there was no talk radio. There there was no intersection of sports and politics uh, back in the day, although I guess the the tragedy of of Munich in 1976, maybe. But the fact of the matter is uh, nobody gave us any, any, any more content than Richard Nixon at a time where we weren't really looking for content. Then, of course, Clinton gave you content every day. I did not have sex with that woman and blah, 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 blah. Sandra Sandra Jones, all these other women coming out. And this guy gives you content by just, I don't know, by being him, by being an imbecile. Um, I I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to know. I, I think it'd be fascinating to understand who is the president that gives the best content. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. There are headlines all over the place that say Joe Biden, the word inflation is his nightmare. I've said this forever. Give me a president that keeps gas prices down. I don't want to hear all the arguments whether a president does it or not. I don't want to hear the arguments. I shut up. Presidents take credit when the gas prices go down. He just did. Uh, His sycophants say he had nothing to do with it when they don't. I don't ever want to hear the word inflation. When I was a kid, I told you this many times, when I was a kid, there was things called the misery index, gas lines, inflation. We could not, my parents were school teachers, we could not get our McDonald's every other week because prices were too high at the grocery store. My mother would go shopping on payday every other week. She brought home McDonald's. All my mother had to do was teach school all day, go from there to the grocery store, right? Come home and make dinner. What pigs my dad, my brother, myself, and my sister were? We were pigs. My mother deserves a gold star. But anyway, when inflation hit, we couldn't get our McDonald's. I remember the one time, maybe it was only once, maybe it was 10, I can't remember, but I remember one time, I'm like, what? No McDonald's? And me, being me, acted like a little batch, a spoiled batch, and then I felt bad and I hugged my mom. Next! Oh, man. I just don't like him. Inbred is what it should say. That whole thing with his daughter or whoever, it's just weird. Next! Oh, my God. This is good. I'm going to clean up the sidewalk of snow by snorting it up my schnoz. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's how it's going to go. Yeah. Is it amazing? Is this guy in jail yet? I don't think this guy's in jail yet. All right. Last, 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 last thing. Saw this the other day at in like. It. Did you know that Saturday, uh, 48 hours ago, was the last Saturday that we're gonna have football for 30 weeks. 30 weeks! Look, I'm a college basketball guy. I love college basketball, but I'm actually not. I'm a college and professional football guy. When I watch a college basketball game, which I did both Saturday and Sunday before the NFL games came on, they were boring as hell. And then when the NFL game came on, I'm like, this is awesome. This is fantastic. This is tremendous. The hell are we doing? This is great. The aesthetics. I don't know. So here's going to be my point. Am I going to watch the USL? What is it? USFL? Whatever the hell they're calling it. Am I going to be watching that? I don't know. Not sure. I kind of want to, but I don't really know. Will you be? You know, I know the two leagues combined. I know everybody's excited, but I need me some football. And every time I try to turn on one of those leagues, I can't watch it. But I think I'm going to try, because I'm watching basketball, a sport I grew up with, a sport I love. I'm watching, and I got nothing, nothing. It's not good. Thirty weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Thirty weeks. Mm-mm-mm. Hey, uh, tonight you get a chance if you get a chance, and you're watching some college basketball. Uh, My colleagues are telling me that every time I don't have North Carolina in the top two to five, they'll give me number one, can be Purdue or whatever, Then I am making a mistake. I'm making a mistake. North Carolina deserves to be in the top three or four. They play tonight. They play tonight against Wake Forest. They're eight-point favorites at home against Wake Forest. Wake Forest is coached by Steve Forbes, a really good coach. But I'm going to take the 8 at home. It's a Monday night. It's kind of a big, big Monday kind of a thing. So do yourself a favor. Take UNC and give the 8. It's going to be a start of a great week, everybody. Absolute great week coming. I hope you are ready for it. I hope we are ready for it. Have a wonderful time, Nick. Great to have you back from your vacation. Nick, too. Always great to have you. Dylan, thank you. Hey, Aaron, you're the best. Uh, Gary, good talk this morning. Hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow.